Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode, a very special episode of the Brown Taboo Project. Uh, I am Pranesh, part of Sasma, and we have some really, really amazing guests here today, and we're very, uh, we're very excited to have a really awesome conversation with them today. I'm coming at you from sunny San Diego. I apologize if you hear any birds. There might be like a crow or something. <laughs> um, and I will pass it on to Sriya coming at you from New York. Yeah, I'm Shreya. I'm in New York. I have no birds by me. <laughs> as it happens. This is Sri coming at you from Denver. I have a beach as my background, but unfortunately I'm not at the beach. But I am very excited to introduce our two guests for today who are coming, joining us from the Bengali Mental Health Movement. They've really been doing some incredible work and we are excited to talk to them, especially about what the Bengali community has been facing in the time of COVID and their experiences. So I want to welcome Thazin Banu and Ria Ahmed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Indeed. So we wanted to start off, we were chatting just before we started recording here, but a little bit about, you know, all of our gears have been starting to turn and then COVID and we're like, ah, just kind of, you know, putting, throwing a big wrench in everything. So what all have you been experiencing? What all have you had going on or that were in the works? Um, and how has COVID changed that? Okay, we're like secretly gesturing to each other about who should talk first. Nice. Feel free to both talk at once. You'll be fine. Go for it. Um, Yeah, so this is Tazin, founder of Bengali Mental Health Movement. I think the first thing that came to mind was that we were in the middle of planning a spring gala, Mm. um, which would have happened April. and April 18th. Yes, we were planning for April 18th. You know, we were, you know, doing outreach we were trying to figure out if we're collaborating you know figuring out a lot of working pieces venues performers sponsors things like that and and then we're like okay you know maybe large gatherings aren't happening like kind of just watching this whole thing unfold yeah and then just kind of dropping multiple things at once and it Mm -hmm. just snowballed from there so and it's impacted us individually and of course as a collective and as a community but I think that's kind of the first thing that came to mind was that we were really ready to bring like a boy shock type celebration mm-hmm. into the local community here in New York. And um, unfortunately we weren't able to do so, but if that means, you know, keeping everybody safe, then that's totally fine. With us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think after that, it was like kind of diving right into like how to move everything kind of virtually right like Mm -hmm. we have Allah which is our support group which is supposed to be in person Mm -hmm. uh twice a month and then we have to kind of be like okay now we have to move all of that to virtual and we had to shift the um the guideline for it you know so and then we had to try different things to see what actually worked you know because like we had portions where we meditate at the end of it and we're like okay how are we doing that online um you know so there was uh different pieces that we had to really like navigate and kind of bring it to the online world and then we Mm -hmm. started the community spotlight which you know like people loved because you know like we were featuring people from our community and they were talking Mm -hmm. about their own mental health they were talking about things they're doing as self-care 
Um, so we ventured into this new world of virtual everything mm-hmm. um, and kind of had to coin with the idea of doing things a little differently. But, you know, I think so far it's gone okay. There has been like mishaps, definitely. As we <laughs> um, all have had, yes. <laughs> you know, but um, I think like, as an like as an organization, we wanted to keep in mind the mental health aspect of everyone in our community. And you know, when we started the community spotlight, it wasn't just like we didn't want to just talk about COVID. Not that it's not important, of course it is. Mm-hmm. But we also felt mm-hmm. like we everyone being quarantined and constantly hearing on the news COVID this, COVID that. It's exhausting. They yeah. needed something different. And even mm-hmm. during all all up, we heard a lot about you know they wanted to talk about other topics too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we try to explore different things and it wasn't less like, well, we're not ignoring COVID or its impact or anything like that. But we were trying to also incorporate things that were not related to COVID directly or things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so far it has been a good response from our followers. They've been liking our content. They'd be liking the, the shift. Um, mm-hmm. They appreciate the shift. So, you know, it's been positive. Mm-hmm. So can I ask, like, what is it that that y'all do? I mean, like, for for our listeners, could you give a quick a, a quick overview of like who you are, where you're based, and then like what what kind of work that you do in your mm-hmm. in your communities? Yeah, for sure. So Bengali Mental Health Movement is a volunteer-run collective of people based in New York City, and we have one person based in Bangladesh. Our primary, our primary thing that we do is that we provide resources to the Bengali community to help bridge the gap between um, accessing mental health services and our community. So some of the ways that we do that is first and foremost by offering a directory of South Asian slash Bengali mental health professionals on our website. So that's something that we're always updating. We're always looking to see um, who's out there that either speaks the language or has worked with the community before. Um, And that's, so that's something that we offer as well. And that's, we're always updating that. Um, Another thing that we offer, Rhea just mentioned our support group. Um, and that's something that we started in January, and we've been trying to have two of those meetings every month since then. Um, and the support group covers an array of topics, um, and we've just been having those now online. And we also offer translated infographics, so we try to... Which are um, incredible, by the way. <laughs> Thank truly, you. Truly, works Thank of you. art and awesome Thank to see. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a collaborative effort with the the translated content, and I I didn't I don't think any of us anticipated that it would have such a great impact. Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's when you think about it conceptually, it's such a simple thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. here's some words, here's some other words in different language, and here they are in a pretty picture. Like, but it's been it's resonated so much with a lot of people, and I think that that aspect of it starting conversations in families and an intergenerational aspect as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. been a really big motivating factor for us. Um, Rhea, am I missing something? Cause I feel like those are like the three things. Those are definitely our top three things right now. Um, you know, in the future we do want to introduce different 
more things added to the list, right? And that was the idea before COVID took place because we mm-hmm. had a few things in mind that we wanted to work on, pilot programs and things like that. For example, like the ALAP, uh, mm-hmm. we wanted to have a different age groups, right? And like, mm-hmm. and we wanted to try that out in person, right? Um, that hasn't happened. If this continues to be online, we might try doing the age thing, you know, even online, right? Um, but that's a conversation we need to explore because there's different guidelines for age groups and things like that. Um, but for now, yes, the directory, ALAP, which is a support group, and also the translated resources that we're providing. And even though it's just three things, but we have our hands full. Um, mm-hmm. Like Dazin said, translating and back translating takes a good chunk of time. That's so freaking much. <laughs> no, truly. You know, I and think then, Sri knows my <laughs> personal struggle with the language as well. Sri and I were <laughs> we're part of like this like Bangla reading and reciting conversation and practice club, yeah, practice club. And oh God, I dropped the ball. You're like, where's my invite? Yeah, <laughs> send me the link. I never <laughs> actually made it to one of those meetups, but I'm on that chain. It went <laughs> a little. It went a little defunct and then I was thinking about it actually during COVID specifically and like bringing yeah. it back. But anyway, sorry, Thazine, you're saying. No, of course. I think it's just that as someone who probably is better at speaking it, but not reading and writing it, mm-hmm. the translation aspect is so pivotal to the work. And yet one of the points of my vulnerabilities as well. So like, I'm really mm-hmm. glad that we have people on our team to really help us with that. And, and that process, as Ria said, it's, it's a delivery. Yeah, I mean, I thought I knew how to read and write. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, oh, clinical terms, right. I forgot That's about That's a whole it. different, I know, right? Like, it's not the same <laughs> like, at all. Oh, okay. And then, like, just to keep in mind, there's so many different dialects, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we have to, like, stick to Shuddo and kind mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. be like, Pure okay, this is Bangla. what we're going by, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's been so fascinating. I'm like, wow, I really thought I knew Bengali, but I guess I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like, we're so thankful that we have someone who's like, you know, helping us out with that. It's, uh, it's great. They're doing a wonderful job, but it's definitely been like, you know, like the, the, even the content sharing portion of it, like we have to be very mindful of what exactly we're sharing, right? Like, just keep, like, it's not just like we can keep, pick up something and be like, let's translate and share. There's a lot of like thinking process in Tazin and I, our part, like, we're just like, okay, so who are we saying this to? Are we covering our bases? Are we ignoring someone? You know, like mental health isn't just for like one person, one individual, one gender. It's not like that. It's, it's, for everybody and we need to speak that language right like it's not bengali in english it's a different language it's like okay is it is it going for everybody and that's something we always have to keep in mind and so when something is being translated there's weeks worth of thought process behind it it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. okay so this specific word even does this translate properly right and so you know like it might be like when you see the translation, it's like a sentence or maybe like a paragraph even, but like just that paragraph probably took us a while to like, yeah. to like approve even like, okay, mm-hmm. this is, we're going to go with this. We're going to back this up and we're going to post this, you know? Um, so, you know, Tazin on her hands down, she has a better Bengali than I do. So she's, you know, she, the, uh, the translator looks at it. She looks at it. I look at it. It goes through like filters before it's yeah, actually yeah. posted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a work. 
It's a lot. And on top of that, you have the challenge of like trying to speak to community or people who haven't ever talked about this subject before Mm -hmm. and like have no real familiarity or, or differing levels of comfort with it even. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard task for sure. I I always brought up, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I just, I've just been thinking so much about like accessibility being the like cornerstone of all of this. And that like in the process of trying to translate something, like are we, ignoring the people that we're trying to write this for. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to become so clinical or like so jargony that the people that we're trying to reach just like, it doesn't resonate with them. So like, that's, I wanted to kind of, I think there was a point where I was like, okay, like, do I want to be like the news reporter Bengali people who like speak really formally proper formal that like nobody actually speaks day to day yeah right (laughs) like in a way that that's understandable and I think that's something that's always present in the work is how are we communicating most effectively and you know being accessible to the general public through our work Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that 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 like you know like words like like self-care and stuff are like words that people our age like know like it's just like a concept everyone mm-hmm. everyone understands but but like you know like other people who may not be as uh, as good with their with their with their english or just like not as um you know like not of our generation to to them a phrase like like nije jotno or something <laughs> might like is like not exactly a concept that they're familiar with so it's like how mm-hmm. do you bring that concept to to them yeah yeah i always i I, like i feel like self-care is not something talked about amongst like i mean for sure like must my parents like they're just like what is that you know um so you know we've had a lot of comments when we shared like our self-care posts and other posts even they're like oh i can show this to my mom i can show this to my parents you know and like that like when we see comments like that it's like oh that you know everyone can read this and everyone can gain something from it and that that brings us a sense of like okay we did our part we really hit what we wanted to hit right so that's definitely the goal like to reach everyone um Mm -hmm. and especially those that never talked about mental health like it's it's such a topic of like ignorance like just ignore it it's not there it's it's not really so our idea is to you know remove that stigma like talk Mm -hmm. about it you know, put a name to it, have a conversation about it. Um, you know, I think that's where the name Alap came from to have that support. We're like, let's Alap about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, definitely, you know, that we need to, we, our idea is to reach everyone. And when we do that, it's really like, we feel happy about it. We're like, okay, it's going where it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And then Ria, do you have a, I know I, just because Thazine and I have talked before, but Ria, do you have a mental health background as well? Or are you a therapist? Yeah, I'm a licensed clinical social worker currently okay, working awesome. in a psych emergency room. Um, okay. it, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dawson's I, making faces. It's not. <laughs> so I, yeah. Like, it, it wasn't. It, uh, okay. So it, it's like the days I work there, like I always like text us and I'm like, I'm having a horrible day. I don't know if I'm going to respond oh. to all the text messages. You're like, okay, take a deep take your time um because i tend to work like 12 hours a day um you know uh 
I think like the reason I like this schedule is because the rest of the other days, it gives me time for Bengali mental health. Yeah. So like you do it, a 312s kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. do like 312s and then like I have, it's not that I have like four days in a row off. It's always mm-hmm. like in between, mm-hmm. but it helps out like to schedule meetings and mm-hmm. things like that to mm-hmm. even talk to Tazin and like go through our emails even like, mm-hmm. so um, it helps out with that. Um, I've worked with children. I've worked with adults. I've worked with adolescents. I have like a vast background and I wanted that because I, when I like for me, like I think when I, I came from, I come from a culture that doesn't talk about mental health. So I wanted to learn everyone and how they look at a mental health because I felt like if I wanted to give my how do I what's that word like if I wanted to help my community I had to understand from like a child to an adult Mm -hmm. to an Mm -hmm. you know even someone who's like 70 like I needed Mm -hmm. to understand that range um so that's why I did that right now I am working with purely adults um I don't mind it it is stressful but um especially during COVID, it's been stressful, but for sure. I can't even imagine. I get four days off. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good part about it. And I'm I'm asking about that because of not just like in the time of of COVID and and the extra stressors there, but I think something that we all potentially struggle with is like being between these two worlds, right? Like we talk about being a third culture kid, like being Bangali, but also being American and, you know, and so then you're like, for example, like, do I just take what's in the DSM and that I'm taught to apply in an American context for diagnosis and then just like try to translate that into Bangla? Or like, you know, is it like, fuck that, we got to throw that out the window because A, we know that, A of all, we know that's not even true in the Western world by any means. But B yeah. of all, like, how are we going to really say that this applies internationally or applies across experiences? And I, and I think that's just always been like being thinking about mental health at the intersections of these different cultures, fuck, like forget even about language. Language and translation is like of the 17th mm-hmm. step, even before that, just like, how do we, what is pain? How do we conceptualize distress? Like what's happening? What do we see in our bodies and our communities? Like what do our spirits need? Right. And just thinking about like, do those things translate or are they actually different? Are they different in cultures? And is just being, Bangali, Bangali mental health, potentially different from Bangali American mental health. Or even Parotio Bangali, which is <laughs> a separate kind. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's such a vast, and that's the thing is even as we're like, you know, to the, I think, classic like white Western populace, it's, we're such small numbers and we are total, you know, across the US and like even in, in small pockets of communities, but then the, the cultures that we're trying to represent or trying to reach are actually massive and diverse and vast. Yeah, I think that's the thing that you're pointing out so well is that it's so nuanced. Like none, none, of, none of this is monolithic or like, you know, uniform. And I think we've taken on like a really great responsibility in trying to like reach everybody. I'm putting this in quotes for podcast purposes, but I think that there is some universality to it, but then at the same time, there isn't, right? Like mm-hmm. what you experience is going to be completely different from what I experience for a mi- like myriad of reasons. Like we're in New York. We can have, Rhea's in Brooklyn. I'm in Queens. We have totally different experiences. Even that is a totally fucking, yeah. Yeah. 
And she is in Harlem. So there you go. Three boroughs <laughs> represented right there. <laughs> yeah, we have three boroughs here. And I'm sure it's just been so different how we've experienced our culture growing up, how we've experienced people experiencing us. You know, it's it's been a lot. And I think that there's so much that can be said. But like before we even get to the part of saying the thing, as you mentioned, we don't, we're like trying to figure out a language. And I think that that has been something that's coming up. It's so funny that you mentioned the DSM because I think that was a project that we had previously had before where Rhea was trying to figure out how to translate the DSM. And we were like, is this... E- Wait, like, are you talking about the fucking limited? all of the DSM? Like 10, 1,057 pages of the fucking DSM? Are you serious? Well, no, not with a diagnosis. Of course not. We're not like <laughs> telling anyone to diagnose themselves. But I think the idea was to let everyone know that like, you know, not everyone's Pago, right? Like there is Pago hey, meaning crazy. I love right, that. <laughs> meaning crazy, right? Like I I think for me it was it was like at that point it was so important to be like, hey, there's like reason this person is doing what they're doing or feeling the way they're feeling. But then we're just like and then I kind of backtracked. I was like, oh oh no, like this could go down the line of mm-hmm. like diagnosing and things mm-hmm. like that. So I still have the file and it's like never went through because I'm like uh, this is a gray area that I need to re-explore. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like the way you said it, like even Thazim was saying it, like, I think for me personally, before the conversation even mental health begins, like there's a sense of struggle of like home life and outside life, right? Like the mm-hmm. life of a Bengali American mm-hmm. person who's like, okay, my home life thinks this way. And then, but then outside world is this, right? So it's like, there's conversation about mental health. There's conversation about a lot of things that in your home, it's not happening. Right. And like, that's the, that's where we end up being the bridge between that. And we end up being the person who has to like balance all of that. Right. And it's, it becomes an experience. It's a hard experience for ourselves because you're trying to explain to a generation that probably didn't explore some of the stuff that we openly talk about, right? Like sex, mental health, you know, um, mm-hmm. LGBTQ. All like them they taboos. Don't, you know, <laughs> they don't talk about these things. And then you yeah. want to like, you want to like explain and then you're like looking for the right terms. You're trying to explain, uh, you know, the meaning behind it, how important it is. And it's not their fault, but there tends to be like a lack of understanding because it's so embedded and it come it came down from generation of generation of not talking mm-hmm. about it, not understanding mm-hmm. and not explaining it. So it's like when you become that person to having to explain, having to explore a topic that's never been explored, it's a difficult path to go down, right? But like it's a big I task. Feel, yeah. And but I feel like, you know, in our generation a lot of us are doing that because mm-hmm. we're like, time to change. Time mm-hmm. to make a change because if we don't do it, who's going to, right? And I think that's where a lot of these organizations and movements and these conversations are happening right now. And it's amazing to see. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult task. But I think a lot of people are doing it with such grace. I'm not saying it's easy at all. I'm not saying it's successful in any terms at times. But, you know, I see it in other people that they're trying. And that try is very important. Um, yeah. That's amazing, and um, you know, so I think for our for our listeners, I think not everyone might know the the specifics of the of the 
South Asian immigrant communities in New York in in specific, mm-hmm. right. um, which y'all work with. So would y'all be able to like talk about kind of like, um, you know, like the the communities that you work with and like what are some like specific things maybe that you've seen um, that uh, need to be, or that you all are trying to address? That is a really great question. So we were just talking about boroughs a couple of minutes ago. And something that came up when we were trying to plan ALAP was, okay, where do we want to actually host it? Like the physical ALAP. Do we want to have it in Midtown Manhattan? Do we want to have it in Queens? Do we want to have it in Brooklyn? Like that was such a really big consideration for us because we were like, we know where the pockets of Bengali people are. And then within that, right, there's pockets of like Bangladeshi people and then there's pockets of like people from India and then there's just like we're everywhere. So it was really difficult for us to be like, where do we want to be? Because we want to be accessible. We don't want to be somewhere where Bengali folks can't, you know, go to work and then come, you know, we want to make it easier for people who are working, taking care of kids, like, you know, just being able to be accessible to them in their daily mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. So that consideration even in in the city was, I feel like a really great illustration of how dispersed we are um, across the city um, because we had to do all up in multiple places. We, we just ended up having a couple in Manhattan. We had, um, I think maybe two or three in Queens. We had I think a couple in Brooklyn as well. We just tried to spread it out as possible, che- just checking to see like who's going to come out more on right, this certain right. day or on this certain location, just kind of experimenting a little bit. Yeah. And cause you said you just started in January too, right? So you probably have yeah. just kind of got it going when it was like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's all going to be virtual anyway. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Nobody likes traveling in the winter anyway, on top of That's that. That's actually very true. <laughs> You'd be surprised we had people come out on a snowy a snowy evening on Wednesday. Really? Wow. Yeah, very nice. I, I mean, the flip side, maybe people really are starved for that connection. <laughs> exactly. To the right. point where they're willing to travel on those circumstances. And just how necessary the conversations are, right? Yeah. That people are like excited about space to be able to talk about all of these things that are typically so taboo in our cultures and communities. Um, but I did want to ask a little bit about, so you're, you're talking about, you know, at the, at the very top, you mentioned how like there's been multiple layers of struggle in terms of as an organization and then also just collectively as a community and what, you know, being in New York, being Bangali in New York, like immigrant health, not, not just mental health, but health right now in this time and then also personal struggles. So I'm just curious to, if y'all could speak a little bit about that of like, what you have been seeing, and you know, we all know that, well, outside of Navajo Nation, New York is the highest per capita right now in the, in the U.S., and so what that's been like, and then specifically how you see that impacting your communities that you're trying to serve. I think for me, um, <clears throat> what I have seen is, like, there's been an increase in anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and that's, like, I guess, like, I could, like, throw some clinical jargons and, you know, but <laughs> I think the underlying aspect is that there's lack of, people are worried about rent, people are worried mm-hmm. about food, mm-hmm. people are worried about not having work for, like, two plus months. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally know people that have lost their jobs um, and, you know, just people that have lost their loved ones. And there's not, 
one thing you can say, this is the struggle, right? There's like, again, layers of struggles. And I think, I think collectively, whenever we do come out of this pandemic, there is going to be a trauma reaction for, for all sure. of us. For There's sure. going to be a lot of anxiety around making sure we have a roof over our head, mm-hmm. a job, you know. So it's, it's going to be a collective mental health need, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's, it's, um, it's overwhelming and heartbreaking to see that's ha- what's happening around us, you know, like, um, I'm grateful that I have a job, you know, like I said, I've, I know a lot of people that don't. And mm-hmm. it's in my own household, I've seen people not having a job. And it's it's not a good place to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, worrying about where my next rent or my next meal is going to come from isn't a worry everyone wants to have or even like you know it's a worry no one wants to have I'm sure right no one wants to have and like it's just like it's that gut feeling like wow this is really happening like Dazin said when we were planning the April gala we're just like okay maybe you can push through maybe it will happen but then we're just like everything just overnight kind of spiraled and it was like no one kind of saw it coming I guess specifically people that get paid on a daily basis or a weekly basis um you know, it's, it's, it's been a collective raise of anxiety, depression, and, you know, all sorts of other stuff that's, I feel like collectively, we're all going to come out of this definitely needing therapy. But aside <laughs> from that, we're going to come out of this very um, anxious, right? Like mm-hmm. about everything, like, okay, so for the next future, we need to make sure we are sorted and things like that. But, you know, those again, those um, undocumented immigrants or mm-hmm. immigrants in general, mm-hmm. those that earn on a daily basis, that's still a struggle, even when the pandemic or it's over. Um, so I feel like as a as a Bengali community, uh, they the the there's been increase in worry and stress. Um, you know, so it's for me, it's heartbreaking to see because I'm like, okay, I'm a therapist. What more can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, true but, that, true that. You know, but it's like it's it's like I also have to remind myself. You know, I also have my own limitation of mm-hmm. how much I can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, a a lot of self realization, yeah. communities needs. Um, looking at all of that, yeah, yeah. I, I think that in echoing a lot of what Rios said, I think something that has become really apparent it's just like structural barriers and inequity mm-hmm. and how hard it has hit like the Bengali community here like yeah. I think we already knew that like economically some of us you know have more than you know others and that's just been something that's really present here in New York City like the class differences are really apparent you know you can take you can start a train ride in one place and end up somewhere else and it's going to be really polar mm-hmm. opposite so mm-hmm. And I think that it's really impacted the Bengali community here because we have a lot of folks who, as we mentioned, there's folks who are undocumented, right? We have the entire TLC cab industry, Mm -hmm. people who like generally you don't think about them as being on the front lines, but you know, there are people who are out there who are really at risk of exposure. And these are the people who are struggling to put food on the table or provide for their families. And I think that, we're seeing that they're also being really impacted, not just like financially or economically, but also like, you know, we're getting a lot of people who have been affected in the community as well, 
Did I say infected or affected? I meant to say infected. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're also affected. And I think there's just been such a big struggle in terms of grappling with those losses, um, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally. Like, I think we were never, obviously overall, like prepared for this. But then even as like, a culture like dealing with something that feels so uncertain and like mm-hmm. not having an answer right like not being able to reassure someone and be like you know what's going to be fine it's going to be okay like really trying to instill hope in people who feel like they've lost a lot they lost mm-hmm. everything so i think that there have been many ways that our community is grieving um and from like a mental health perspective i think that grief is also something that we don't understand very fully. And that's just also been coming to the surface here through this pandemic that I'm noticing is like the conversations around grief, the conversations about mourning, the conversations about Mm -hmm. what happens when someone dies. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's just something that we were never really prepared for. And I, and like, I think I'm just going to speak for myself as someone who's 26 years old, like didn't think I would have to think about it now. You know, (laughs) so Yeah, for sure. Those pieces of like, there's plenty of customs around it, but what does that actually mean? Like, what is the impact there? And and so much what so, does it I think, feel like right, yeah, and the especially it being like collective grief and trauma, and that piece of it of even even for those who haven't suffered an acute loss or don't you know like don't know anyone directly or whatever, there's still that just that general per- pervasive sense of it as well. Um, let alone if something like acute is happening to you or like a job loss or loss of a loved one or, you know, all of those different factors that we're seeing. Yeah, I think um, I want to echo what Tazim said. Like, you know, we there's a lack of conversation around, um, you know, grief and trauma. And it's just the way someone should grieve is actually like told to you, like culturally, this is what you should do. And I'm like, hmm. Well, wear white don't eat like this right this like don't do this right and i'm head. like after this right. many days go here <laughs> right or like don't wear jewelry or right yeah. you know whatever and i'm like okay but like on what basis are you saying this but how right. are you forget okay fine you say all of that right like where's the how are you truly feeling can i hear you right like Fuck yeah talk Fuck to yeah. me mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how are you feeling today right like what your emotion like what are you thinking about right like that's not there at all it's mm-hmm. just like someone is telling you well culturally you're supposed to do x y and z until you're exhausted so it's so we like i like tazin said we need to open up that conversation i like we have to be like okay fine you're telling me about all the culture stuff great i heard you what about my feelings what about Mm -hmm. what i'm feeling right now it's not like follow these steps and you'll be cured right right i think yeah it's not like Mm -hmm. a prescription in that sense yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and like so many people, I think tend to like, I mean, like rituals in general are something that like maybe will, will help a lot of people, but yeah, but like in the Brown community in particular, it's, um, you know, a lot of people have trouble conceiving of like mental health outside of these, of these mm-hmm. rituals yeah. or like, or like conceive of like processing their own feelings outside of these rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that actually makes me think too about, especially like having Ramadan during this time as well. Like, so adding kind of in some ways insult to injury of like a time, especially where as we're recording this, we just had Eid yesterday and like thinking about just coming out of that and then what is going on in terms of 
not necessarily being able to engage in a lot of those rituals and celebration and community building that really do also point to the resilience of our communities, right? And so like, on the one hand, obviously, being immigrant communities, there's so much that goes into that and so much adversity that people have already faced or are, you know, for better or for worse that are they're so used to facing. And that can be a source of strength. And then also, like, at the same time, if you're being kept from some of those places that really do help bolster you and, like, feed your spirit and nourish you, then what the fuck, you know, like when your whole kind of tradition has been turned upside down. That's also what's so fucked up though, because um, I think it was either Thursday or Friday, Trump had, had said that churches and houses of worship should open up and, and he did include mosques in that, which I thought was interesting because I feel like if anything, it's like religious minorities houses of worship in particular mosques have had to be like on extra good behavior for decades really because Mm -hmm. one slip up means unleashing a whole hell of adversity against us and so we don't have the privilege of you know going to celebrate Eid with our community not only because it's a health risk but also because it's it's just asking for more whatever ire. shit the, the, you know, whatever yeah. shit and ire society has to throw you know their way and so it's 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 really shitty i don't know i don't have like a a, a good way to to put it uh, except that there is like and i think the community in new york knows all too well that like there's just always going to be a double standard um, for for being uh, for being who you are. Well said, yeah. so well said. And I think it's just so tricky too because like we're being tested in so many ways. Like we are resilient on one hand, but the things that keep us resilient, as you said. Like, we're not able to access that readily. And I feel like it's so risky for Trump to kind of, like, mention that because people are going to be like, wow, like, I was really starved for that, like, connection. And, you know, you know, seeing my peers or, like, feeling spiritually connected or, like, whatever the case is, there people might flock. And I think that's just, like, yeah. so, so difficult right now because that does kind of feel like, like a toy on the emotions in a really, mm-hmm. really vulnerable time. And yeah, especially when absolutely. that's like anti of what the CDC wanted to. And then there's like the political layers of that as well. Like yeah. what are all of these different things that are going on at the same time? Or even like thinking I – was, I was just on a um, video call with my cousins the other day who are all – well, not all in Kolkata, but many of whom are in Kolkata and like just chatting with them too about thinking about – the cyclone at the same time that affected West Bengal and like just, you know, all of these different layers of things where truly I do think mother earth is being like, what y'all bitches doing down there? Like, let's, <laughs> let's stop fronting right now. Cause you are not treating me well. And like, right. I'm just going to throw one thing after another, after another, after another mm-hmm. at you. But I, and I mean, I think, and that's like for us collectively as humanity, I think to take some moments of reckoning, but as we are all, you know, way too familiar that it it does impact people and communities differentially 
And so that piece of it, even though it is like the scourge of humanity overall, it's also just like some of us get hurt more, get pushed more, get, get, lose what matters to us more, lose our lives more. And that piece is just, it's, it's devastating to sit with. Yeah, definitely. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because this is, I, I was talking to my mom about this kind of, about, um, how therapy is like a Western concept and like Westerners and like white people need therapy, but like people like us don't necessarily have need it per se because we have our community and they're kind of like de facto therapists. Like it's, but also it, it is this concept in general of like the West being more individualistic and like the East being more, like we heal a family and, we and heal community, community and yeah. family oriented and things like that. And be interested to get your thoughts because I'm sure this is like an obstacle you're facing in your work in terms of like getting over that cultural barrier and getting people to understand that like therapy is not just like a Western white people thing, but, but is and can be done in a way that is beneficial to you as a person and community. I think there's so much there in that question because, first of all, I, I think it requires us to decolonize what therapy is and like not do that. From, yeah, like not viewing it from the way that it was like taught to us maybe in school or like mm-hmm. you know like Freud, the father of psychoanalysis. You know, like it really yeah. requires us to kind of challenge like what can we actually bring into a therapy space? You know what I mean? Like things that maybe a typical therapist might not be so comfortable with. Like, yeah, let's like welcome your like incense. Like let's welcome, you know, your spiritual practice into the room. Like really what it's about is that therapeutic alliance between, you know, the person and their therapist. And I think that that relationship should come as a priority first and foremost. And then like kind of like the clinical jargon and all of that later. Um, And I think that I definitely hear where parents and like relatives come from when they say like therapy is kind of like a Western thing or it's a white person thing. But I feel like they're the ways that they receive support is kind of like a different version of therapy, right? Like you would speak, like maybe you would speak to like a spiritual leader when you're feeling down or like maybe you speak to a confidant, like, you know, you speak to your relatives and they're offering some kind of like emotional support to you. And I think the way to like push that further is to convince people that, yeah, that's really great that you have emotional support. That's really great that you have people in your life who are there for you to hear you are, hear you out. But like what you could actually also benefit from in addition to that is like a space that's just for you like non-judgmental like you don't have to get emotionally guilted for what you said you know you don't there's no consequences nothing comes back no like auntie gossip yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and I think that's a hard part for people to sit with because we're we're really used to kind of keeping things in and like taking the hit, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not really used to kind of quote unquote being selfish and like thinking about ourselves mm-hmm. because we're so community oriented that the idea of putting our own needs first is kind of just like, Oh my God, why would I do that? Like I have to take care of so-and-so and so. And like, if I t- cut out half an hour of my day to just talk about myself, like that's so wrong. And so I think that's been kind of 
something that's stirring the pot right now. And I think, um, I think we just really need to re-envision what therapy looks like because just because a certain demographic of people have been doing it a certain way for so long doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that's going to work for everybody. So, um, yeah, that's just where I am right now with it. I think also like there are more, um, South Asian Bengali therapists, right? Mm-hmm. Psychiatrists, psychologists than it, there were before. Mm-hmm. So that's also a plus point to know. I think um, when you know someone is from your culture or your background or even your religion, right? They they feel automatically, they feel more inclined to go. They're like, okay, this, they're going to understand, you know, halal and haram or they're going to understand my culture of this and that right like so just off the bat because you know like when you sometimes this is coming from personal experience i'm not (laughs) when you walk into a therapy space and the person is from a different background and not from yours you spend a lot of therapy sessions explaining what certain things are in your culture and why things are the way they are they are even though the therapist might not seem like they're judging you you because you're explaining you might be like oh this when you're saying it out loud it sounds a little odd or Mm -hmm. it sounds different from what the american culture is saying to sound like right so it's like Mm -hmm. even though the therapist might not be judging you you in your head might be like if i'm explaining this much there must be judgment going on like Mm -hmm. she's not understanding where Mm -hmm. i'm coming from so she's probably just like which culture does this or which religion Mm -hmm. does this right so it's and then you spend a lot of time your 45 minutes of therapy explaining instead of exploring Mm -hmm. so um the fact that now we have an increase of therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists in, you know, South Asian community, it's, that has helped, right? Like that helps the conversation a little bit. Like if we're explaining to someone like, Hey, go talk to someone that, you know, explores your emotions and does not, is not biased. It helps to say, Hey, this, Hey mom, or Hey aunt or whatever, like, uh, you know, uncle, this person is, this is their name. This is where they're from. This is the village they're from, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So that helps automatically create a sense of connection. There, There's like, you already got like a 5% improvement. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm in the doorway. <laughs> right, I, right. Can ma- I can push mm-hmm. through now, right? So like, I feel like that has helped, you know? And But I feel, obviously the conversation, like Dazin said, you know, the conversation has to have more. But yeah, I feel like that's definitely there that the increase of mm-hmm. professionals helped. Totally. It's like a weird double-edged sword though, I think sometimes too. And and something that we've talked about where like, I mean, I fucking love that like three out of the five of us on this call are, are Bangali therapists. Like, fuck yeah. Yes. Group high five. And that's awesome. And, <laughs> and it excites me. And then I think there's, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this on, on the podcast before, but experiences where you think someone will get you and then they don't. And that's like so much fucking worse than if I just sat here and like explained to a Becky and you know what I mean? Like you're like the, when you like put yourself out there and then you get shot down still, like in some ways that can be worse than that piece yeah. of, I don't know, just like it's, it's a, and you know, some interesting research on like, actually it's not necessarily matching. That is what makes it happen. Like just because you share demographics with someone, whether that's gender, whether that's ethnicity, language, religion, whatever it might be, like 
people sometimes might, it might make you feel a little bit more comfortable. It doesn't actually mean that that therapist is the right therapist for you. Oh so. yeah, definitely. And that's always a struggle yeah, as well. That's always but. a struggle. You could find someone and then you're like, wait, that doesn't, you know, like, yeah, cultural backgrounds, this person understands, but like what, whatever I'm saying, it's not resonating. Like you have to have a good connection with your therapist. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You like, yeah. you know, I think, um, a lot of people I know have tried multiple therapists before they stuck to one they're like for sure hey, this person really like we can really bounce off of each other it's it's a it's it's a type of a type of a, a relationship right like you want to make sure there's a good balance like you're like whatever you're doing it's like there's you're getting the good out of it or you're you know you're exploring the best part of you or whatever you want to explore sometimes that doesn't happen so yeah I definitely agree there is a layer to that mm-hmm. yeah I think that social identity is something that like could be a really good bonus to the therapeutic mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. and at the same time should not be like a determinant of like how successful that therapy is going to be. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. and that's very interesting because like we have this whole directory of South Asian professionals and at the same time, like I wouldn't necessarily be like, Oh, Oh, like you should only look for a South Asian right, right. 100% therapist. recommend mm-hmm. all of these yeah. people. Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. yeah. That's why I just feel like even though the, even though we have this directory, like I would still want for any, any clinician, any therapist, any person in the mental health field to like keep doing the work of like unlearning biases, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. grappling with systemic racism, like, you know, just all of that stuff. Because like, just because you're a certain culture or a certain identity doesn't mean that you don't have your own biases. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, you know, always going to show up in the work. So yeah, it's not meant to say that a brown person is going to totally be the right one for you. And at at the same time though, just like major props for the directory, because I think so much of what is a barrier for folks is just being like, you know, maybe you got to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, it would be helpful to talk to someone, but just like having no fucking idea where to start. And so that piece of it, of just even if you can start to, you know, get the ball rolling in that way or like provide some initial people to look at and, you know, you call up and they're like, Hey, I'm actually busy right now, but like, let me recommend these three other colleagues or whatever, you know, like that's a big piece of it as well. So yeah, truly, yeah, I, I think that. it opens up the door to be like, at least they're open to therapy. Like, even though they might've picked someone like you, like we've been talking about, you know, doesn't mean just because you're Brown, it's going to click. Right. Um, but at least as we all know, at least unfortunately. You, you took that step, right? <laughs> like at least you took that step and now you right. know what you're not looking for. Right. So that's also important to like, mm-hmm. know what you're not looking for and what you are looking for. And that sometimes happens with the wrong decision, like the wrong therapist. Just like the dating. Therapist. Sometimes you have to have a few one night stands and hookups gone wrong. And that girlfriend who, dates. Like, didn't, yeah, treat you well to get where you need to get for sure. Definitely. Yep. Similar. And for people who are listening, how can they find this magical South Asian mental prof- health professional directory? That is a lovely question. If you go to any web browser and type in BengaliMentalHealth.org, it should lead you to our website. Um, And we have a directory page that is there. We're actually in the middle of updating our directory to reflect changes since the pandemic has started. So, you know, many therapists have um, transitioned to offering telehealth. So we are now looking to figure out who's offering that, any changes in their services. So um, stay tuned for those updates. But for people who are looking for um, therapists across the U.S., we have... um, people located in different states. Um, you do not have to only be Bengali to be on the directory. So if you are listening and you're a mental health provider, like, please, we would love to have you 
in our directory as well. Um, we're just looking for folks who have served um, the Bengali community or a similar community, you know, immigrant population, you know, um, things like that. So that's where you can find our resources as well. Um, and other than that, it's just our Instagram page that is the most active where we share our resources and content um, most actively. Yeah, and Don't if any difficulty, please email us. We'll respond. And <laughs> that email is? <laughs> and your handle? movement at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> She's like double checking on the side. <laughs> Wait, yeah. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll have it up there yeah. for sure. <laughs> Yes, yes. There's so many iterations of this one term. <laughs> Truly. We have the same we have the same issue too. Yeah, don't worry. But, yeah, um, no, she's that was the right thing. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> that was it. No, we we have we have individual emails and then we have an events email, so it's just it's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, but like if people shoot us an email, you know, seeking specific services, you know, like, you know, I have this insurance or like I'm looking mm-hmm. for this, like we'll obviously try our best to provide any information that we can gather for you. So we're here for that. We're here for you guys. Yeah. And like, you know, the directory, like right now, like we're still updating, right? Like some of the updates are not there. If, uh, you know, if anyone wants to shoot us an email, you know, have specific needs or something, we can go through uh, the new ones too, if anything, just to help them out. So we're always there to respond to any questions, concerns, you know, definitely. Amazing. Tazin and Ria, this was incredible. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. You guys are great mm-hmm. thank you so much what an illuminating conversation we are so honored to be here in the presence of you all through zoom definitely and as we, sh- as we should always say thank you for the adda i think that's the piece that's, yeah. like, <laughs> that's what's gonna get us through this <laughs> there you go is to like get together and chat and like have community in whatever ways we can right so truly yeah no this is great this is great Honobad, shukriya all the good stuff yes um once again, Bengali Mental Health Movement. They are on Instagram. Oh, we didn't get your Instagram handle. How, how can people oh find you on Instagram? Oh, God. It's Bengali Mental Health. M-V-M-N-T. So I dropped the syllables. For, I dropped mm. the vowels for some reason in the Instagram handle. It's a length thing, I think, because Instagram <laughs> is still about <laughs> Sometimes well, size does matter. It's, it's very enough. hard with Instagram with their names. Like, yeah, it's just, you have to come up with something really creative to get approved. But it's searchable and that's the part that matters. So they'll be able <laughs> right, to find exactly. you. They'll be able to find <laughs> you. And we'll have it in the show notes. We'll too. have it in the show notes too. Um, so and for anyone listening, thank you as always for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas for future episodes, please shoot us an email, southasiansexualhealth at gmail.com. Shoot us a DM uh, on Facebook or Instagram. We are South Asian SMH. And as always, we will see you on the next episode of Brown Taboo Project. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bring it back.